whatever you use. Please turn to Philippians chapter 4. I want to preach this morning on the subject of peace over anxiety. Caleb threw a little chorus in there just for me. It is well with my soul. Whenever I'm facing anything in life, I can always say those words and know that God's got me. And it is well with my soul. So that was, that was kind of nice. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, I'm going to begin reading in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your, let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. And two verses that are very near and dear to my heart. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that you are the Prince of Peace. God, we thank you that no matter what happens in this life, we can always run to you. Your arms are always open. You love us first so that we might love you. Father, right now I pray that anyone in here that doesn't know you would receive your word, that the gospel would be clear and concise. And Father, you would use it for your glory, that lives might be changed. Father, take hold of hearts right now by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we just bless you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so welcome to 2021. We have finally begun a new year. It's time to set new goals and strategize ways to achieve said goals. For many people, the beginning of a new year is, a, is an opportunity. It's a chance for a proverbial restart. It's used as a time to take inventory of our lives. We assess what went well and what didn't go so well in the past year. We look at the goals from the previous year that we had set. We try to see what we actually accomplished. We see if our lives have been changed at all. But hopefully, above all else, as Christians, we're going to evaluate what our walk with God looked like. We're going to take the time to see whether we grew in Christ, whether we fell away, we fell back. That should be our, our look every day. We should always be looking at who we are in Christ. After thinking through these things, we decide what to continue doing and what needs changed. For these types of people, a new year is a very positive restart. We're looking to make the best out of the next coming year. But for many, many other people, the new year can be a very scary restart. The thought of the unknown can decimate these types of people. This group will begin to dwell on everything that turned out differently than they had planned in the previous year. 
Any goals that were unmet are seemingly reminders of failure. Memories of unexpected events or illnesses bring worry, anxiety, fear of what may happen in the coming year. Oftentimes, the person who struggles with anxiety over the unknown tends to shy away from planning from the future. It lends to their feelings of insecurity, and they begin to feel frozen by the uncertainty. So let's take a few moments to reflect on 2020. How was your 2020? Did you accomplish your goals that you set out to achieve this time last year? If anybody achieved a goal that's in this room today, just shout it out for me. Anything that you set out to do last year, shout it out. Got rid of cable. Got rid of cable. Okay. All right. So he saved a lot of money by switching to no cable. Anybody else? Lost some weight. That's a good one. A lot of people set out for that. Retirement. Yeah, I almost put a picture up. That's crazy. Dennis, congratulations on that. My dad retired Thursday from the Postal Service after 32 years, and I almost put a picture of his smiling face. I was able to go and take some pictures of him on the last street that he delivered and got video of him doing his last delivery, so it was pretty awesome. Um, he did not have a face of anxiety, let me tell you. It was, it was not a face of anxiety. It was a face of pure joy, 32 years, so... That's awesome, Dennis. Congratulations. Anybody else? What? Oh, man. He wanted to have a race or he won a race? Oh, he wanted to have a race with Carter. Well, there's, it's always 2021. You can do it now. All right. I achieved a few of my goals. One of my biggest goals was to study the Bible on a much deeper, deeper level, which to most of you, if any of you know me, that probably sounds stupid, but it's true. I really did want to spend more time in God's Word, and I did that. I wanted to dig into biblical doctrines deeper. Um, there are a lot of things we know on the surface level, but there's a lot of things that, that are really vague, and if you don't study them, you'll be clueless. And if somebody asks you a question, it's kind of hard to answer it if you don't have the truth of God's word. So I did a lot of that. So in September of 2019, I started a one-year Bible plan. I'd never done that before. I'd written, written, read through the Bible several times, but I'd never tried to do it in one year. So I set out in September 2019 to do it. And by the end of August, guess what? I made it. It was pretty awesome. So I yeah. So... I actually started the same plan again, and I'm about 100 and, I don't know, 15 days or so into it, and it's so exciting because I just love to spend time in God's Word, so I'm super excited about that. And I also set out to, while I'm at work, I can, I can listen, I can have my phone and I can listen to things. I can't have earbuds in, but I can listen to it. So I was able to listen to the whole Bible twice in this year, so it's pretty awesome. I'm pretty encouraged by that. So it's been really good for my walk with God. So that, I accomplished one thing. If nothing else, I accomplished one thing. But 2020 was an interesting year, to say the least. It marked the beginning of a new decade. Despite several very large hurdles, it seemed as if 2020 was going to be a monumental year. Not only for individuals, but for America. Uh, it was a presidential election year. 
But one thing that's true about a presidential election year is it breeds division. But despite division over political parties, people tend to hope for unity. However, in 2020, division really reared its ugly head. Our country seemed divided by more than just political differences. We faced racial and cultural differences. We faced civil unrest. So much hatred and animosity being spewed from one side to another and back again. Then, in March of 2020, just before the NCAA basketball tournament was about to begin, a pandemic swept not only the U.S., but the entire world. COVID-19 came in like a roaring lion. The world was at the height of uncertainty. No one knew what this virus meant or would mean to any of our lives at the time. One thing was certain, nothing was for certain. No one had any idea how this virus would impact our society. Shut down. This virus spread like wildfire. Fear swept the world. Anxiety reached a seemingly all-time high. Businesses were, focused to, were forced to close their doors to help reduce the spread of the virus. People were called to wear face masks everywhere they went. A new phrase was coined that would be used so many times I thought my ears would bleed if I had heard it again. It was the rise of social distancing. Stay six feet apart from all humans. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a people person. So that mandate really stunk for me. Amen. I like to shake hands. I love to hug people. I love the embrace of another person because it just it shows love. And that was taken because we had to stay safe. And that was tough. That was really tough. But although I'm not a people person, I am a people person, I am absolutely not a school teacher. Praise you, Carol. Carissa, too. Yeah. Sorry, kids, no more snow days for you. Because online learning became the norm in our society. All the plans that were made for 2020, sporting events, weddings, my daughter's wedding was postponed, graduation ceremonies, and everything else you would possibly celebrate were put on hold for the most part. They were all up in the air whether they'd even take place. We didn't even know if we could have funerals for family members, loved ones, friends. And this is the, probably the saddest thing for me. I can't imagine how it must feel to be told that you can't have a memorial service for someone you love that's passed away. And the church was impacted greatly by the shutdown. Services were now being streamed online to help prevent the spread of the virus. Preachers stood in pulpits preaching to empty pews 
And I can't imagine what that was like. I didn't have to experience that. I can't imagine what it would be like for Greg to stand here for six to eight months and just stare at an empty room and preach. But praise God, they did it. They did it. And we still heard the word of God. So the, the shutdown, in a way, opened the door for a new opportunity for the gospel to go forward online and for people to hear the gospel message that may never hear it because they may never, ever grace the doors of a church building. <laughs> Let's talk about how serious anxiety really is. In the U.S., over 40 million people over the age of 18 are diagnosed with some type of anxiety disorder. That is 18.1% of the U.S. population. With anxiety being so prevalent in our country, I believe that we need to take it much more seriously than we do. Of those 18% of the U.S. population, those 40 million Americans that are diagnosed with some type of anxiety disorder, only 37% of them actually seek treatment. Anxiety is defined as the mind and body's reaction to stressful, dangerous, or unfamiliar situations. It's the sense of uneasiness, distress, or dread that one feels before a significant event. A certain level of anxiety helps us stay alert and aware. It's like if you're about to have a wrestling match and you get this kind of butterflies in your stomach. I'm speaking to that because I wrestled and my daughter wrestles, so. <laughs> you get these butterflies. It's the same thing as if you're, if you're about to get married. You get butterflies in your stomach. You feel like you're going to pass out, maybe. That kind of anxiety is okay. That's something you're looking forward to. But those suffering from an anxiety disorder, it feels far from normal. And it can be quite debilitating. When, fa when facing anxiety, peace can seem out of reach. I myself have suffered from anxiety in the past. For a period of about seven years, I was on anxiety medication, anti-anxiety medication. Now, most people that know me probably don't even know that because it's not something that I just go around projecting to everyone. But I did have a bit of a disorder. I had no idea that it was an issue for me, though. Until one day, I had a disagreement at work with a supervisor. And my heart started to beat and really fast. And I felt overwhelmed as if I were about to pass out. And I really thought that I might be having a heart attack. Now, keep in mind, about seven years ago, eight years ago when this happened, I was in my early 30s, early to mid-30s. So it was very, very scary. And I realized quickly that there was a serious problem. So I went to the doctor. He diagnosed my problem. I spoke with a, a counselor. Um, I didn't feel depressed, so it wasn't that. It was just a, just a sense of just short-term, short-temper, just a little short-tempered. At that time in my life, every little thing seemed to set me off. 
My family can attest to this because they're the ones that verified it. I was sure with everyone. If you, if you said the wrong thing, I, I got upset. And it was not pretty. I knew that I needed help because my peace was escaping me. So my doctor, who I've been seeing for many, many, many years, since I was a teenager, decided, hey, we're going to try to put you on something. We're going to try to help you out. And after a few weeks of being on medication, my short temper grew much longer. I was able to handle difficult situations without blowing a gasket. But I have to admit, I hate being on medication. I just, I just don't like it. I don't think... I just, for some reason, I, f I felt weak when I was on medication. That's how I felt. See, I have high blood pressure, too. Thanks, Mom, if you're watching online. So I have to take medication for that. So, uh, but I did it reluctantly, and, and I had hoped that, you know, if it worked for a little bit, I could just get right off of it. I'd be good to go. But... Months went by, and I, it got to a point, it was about six months out, he said, okay, what do you want to do? And I said, oh, I'll try to just, you know, let off of it, and it didn't take, it didn't even take a week before my short temper was back, and it was noticed, and I was like, okay, I need to be on these medic this medication, because I had what's referred to as clinical anxiety. It's a physical debility. Disability, not disability, but it's a physical problem. It's not something I could have just overcame in my mind. You see, medication is vital to someone who's suffering from clinical anxiety. Sometimes our sinful bodies can get our wires crossed, and the medication is the only thing to untwist them. So if your doctor thinks it's a good idea to take something to alleviate anxiety, I'm now an advocate for it. However, I do believe that we serve a God who can heal. I prayed and prayed for years that my anxiety would subside, but it didn't. I still struggled with my short temper. About a year ago, I could tell that the meds weren't working anymore like they had in the past. My short temper became even more short. I noticed my reaction to my kids were rather snippy and negative. So I asked my wife about it, and she said, yeah, she noticed a little bit. So I went to the doctor, and he changed my medication. Guess what? It worked. That was the problem. My body had, had become subject to, the, to that medication. It just wasn't working right. So it, we, we switched it. But then I really started to feel like my medication, or my taking the medication, was a, was a, even though it was a good result, I started to believe that my anxiety might be a little bit more than just the physical issue just more than the medical issue behind it. So I prayed for God. I prayed for him to deliver me from it, as I said before. I thought that would be enough, but it wasn't. Then I remembered what I had read so many times. I committed this passage to memory very early on in my walk with God. It was easy for me to remember because I just look at it, and it's Philippians 4, 6, and 7. My oldest son's birthday, his name is Philip, his birthday is April 6th. So it was pretty easy for me to remember Philippians 4, 6. 
And in the passage that I read just a while ago, we find the prescription for dealing with anxiety, worry, and the like. In this text, the Apostle Paul gives us three very clear directives for dealing with anxiety and experiencing the peace of God in our lives. However, I want you to note that Paul does not guarantee that our anxiety will depart from us. Let me say that again. Paul does not guarantee that our anxiety will depart from us or that we won't face it. He commands us to refrain from becoming anxious. There's a difference between refraining from anxiousness and being clinically anxious. Again, clinical anxiety is a physical imbalance. This is where medication may be a huge help. Mental anxiety is different. This hits the soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. This is what requires the biblical prescription. So the first command that we find in the passage is in verse 4. It says, Paul says, to rejoice in the Lord. And how often does it say that we should rejoice in the Lord? Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoicing in the Lord is what revives our souls. There are many different ways to rejoice in the Lord. We can simply just thank Him for what He's done in our lives. We can sing praises to Him. When I sing, it is well with my soul, that's rejoicing to me. That's a reminder to me, and it's a praise to God, knowing that he's in control, and I don't have to worry. We can study the Bible regularly and get to know him better. These are all great ways to rejoice in the Lord. I try to say a prayer of thanksgiving every morning before I even hit, my feet even hit the floor. I just thank God that he's given me another day and rejoice in the fact that he's with me. It's a great way to start the day. Rejoicing the Lord is so vital to enjoying the peace of God in our lives that Paul repeats it in the very next sentence. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Now, if the Apostle Paul had to say it twice, probably pretty important that we put it into practice. That's Paul's whole point of the letter to the Philippian church, is to rejoice in all things, take joy in everything. James tells us to consider it pure joy even when we face trials, like 2020 and all that it brought How can you worry about anything when you're rejoicing in the Lord? Is that even possible? Verse 6, one of the most powerful verses in my life. Here Paul commands us not to be anxious about what? What are we allowed to be anxious about? Hmm? Nothing. Don't be anxious about anything. The latter part of verse 6 gives us Paul's second directive to combat anxiety. He says to pray about everything. How are we 
to pray to fend off anxiety. Understand that prayer is the key to communicate with our Heavenly Father. Prayer unlocks the power of God here on earth. We are to petition God for whatever we need in this life. But we are commanded to do it with what? Thanksgiving. We have an infinite number of things to be thankful for. Even in the midst of a pandemic, kids at school, not having school and being at home all the time, workplaces shutting down, people not having income because they can't work, illness that is taking lives at a rapid pace, no answer, no vaccine until now. For those of you that believe in the vaccine, praise God that it's here now. But even in the midst of all those things, we have an infinite number of things we'd be thankful for. We don't have to dwell on the things that went wrong when we can think about all the things that God did right. Think back to last year. When 2019 ended... What did you pray about for 2020? Of those prayers, what came to pass? Were you thankful for everything that 2020 brought into your lives? Were you bitter? Where do you stand on this third day of 2021? Have you been rejoicing over the last few days? Are you connecting with God through prayer? Are you asking for God to be glorified in and through your lives? Are you asking God to provide for your needs? The Bible says that we don't have because we don't ask. Or we don't have because we ask amiss. God wants to hear our every concern. He wants to hear us ask for what we need. This communication breeds a healthy relationship. God's ears are never closed. He's always ready, willing, and able to provide us everything we ever ask or need. What's the number one priority in a marriage relationship? Somebody give me an answer. Just throw one out. Number one priority in a marriage relationship? Okay, but in the all right, that's first. What else in a marriage relationship? Give me another one. Oh, who said that? I heard that communication. Oh man, if I'm picking a number one thing, it's communication. It's absolutely communication. I heard that too. <laughs> Nothing breeds a healthy relationship better than communication. Because if you're going to coexist and flourish, you have to know what each other are thinking, what each other's wants and needs are, what you desire in life. And the only way to know that is by communication. So communication is key. Well, the same thing is true with God. Prayer is that key. Look again at verse 7. It says that, 
The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. What does this guarantee? Does it guarantee that our anxiety will just go away? Absolutely not. It guarantees that when we pray, the peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ. The peace of God is the most valuable thing we can have in this crazy world. COVID-19 doesn't scare me at all. It's real, but it doesn't scare me. For all of you who think this pandemic is a joke, I want you to think again. I've watched several family members suffer through this virus. One almost died. Praise God, she's finally out of the hospital. And my niece still has a grandmother. It is real. It does exist. My wife had it. My mom had it. My dad had it. My daughter had it. My future son-in-law had it. Thanksgiving, Christmas, even New Year's Eve, we're not the same because people were sick, people were hurting, and they were afflicted by this virus. So it is real. So please don't, don't ridicule people for trying to be safe. Remember that our highest calling is to love one another next to loving God. There are a lot of things that I may not make a big deal out of. But I do make a big deal out of other people's feelings. And if wearing a mask in public for my mother's sake is all I want to do it for, that's enough for me to do it. Keep that in mind when you may think someone's less than because they wear a mask in public or because they avoid shaking hands or hugging. Remember that our, our calling is to love people to Jesus. I'll get off my soapbox from that. But we don't have to live in fear. Stock market doesn't scare me. The economy doesn't cause me to waver. Homeschooling hasn't even killed me. Yet, but through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, the peace of God has guarded my heart and my mind in Christ through all of this. Only because I've remained connected to Jesus through prayer. People of God, what are we permitted to be anxious about? And what should we do when anxiety springs up? In verse 8, we find the third directive from Paul to battle anxiety. He commands us to think righteous thoughts. Paul gives us a list of positive and righteous thoughts to dwell on to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. 
The author of Hebrews tells us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, that we might run the race that he set before us. Let me read verse 8 again. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. When we think about whatever is true, we find confirmation. When we think about whatever is noble, we find value. Whatever is right, we find significance. Whatever is pure, we find hope. Whatever is lovely, we find joy. Whatever is admirable, we find worth. And whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, we find perfection. Thinking about these heavenly things has changed my perspective about everything. I'm more compassionate than I've ever been before. Because I got to tell you, at the start of 2020, I was not compassionate. I could not have said the words I said just a few moments ago about how we should treat each other because I thought this thing was a hoax. I really did. But then guess what? When it hits you for real, you wake up real fast about the reality of it, don't you? I've learned how to love well because of keeping my focus on Jesus and his attributes. The world can't offer me anything that's going to make a difference. The love of Christ will. The love of Christ compels me. I still deal with some anxiety. However, as, about, as of about three months ago, I no longer have any need for anti-anxiety medication. God has delivered me from my clinical anxiety. And I have to tell you, I am super, super stoked about it. We serve an awesome God. I don't know, it was about six months ago, he lowered my medication, he cut it in half, and I went back and I don't need it anymore. Can we just praise God for a second? He's taught me how to focus on things above, not on things of this earth. I'm not saying this will happen to you as well. You may need meds to take care of your clinical anxiety. That doesn't make you less of a person. It doesn't make you less spiritual. I believed that lie for seven years, that that medication made me weak. Satan wants you to believe that a chemical imbalance in your body is all your fault. It's not. We live in sinful bodies. There's nothing that we can do to change the fact that our bodies are decaying. The, the death rate's still the same. One and one die. And we're all subject to affliction. But that doesn't change who we are in Christ. It's not our fault that our bodies have issues. You don't have any control over anxiety any more than I have control over my imperfect vision. Medication is not a sign of failure. However, mental anxiety can be overcome by putting these three things into practice.
Verse 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. What have we seen from Paul? He modeled what it looked like to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. And isn't that what we're about here at First Baptist? Helping each other to become fully devoted followers of Christ? Training in righteousness? That we would be light in the midst of this crazy dark world? That's exactly why we're here. We are to rejoice in the Lord. How often did it say we're to rejoice? Say it for me. Always. We are to pray about everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. He even give, Paul gives the same prescription to the church in Thessalonica that he gives to the church in Philippi. He says in 1 Thessalonians 5, Be joyful always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Finally, we are to think righteous thoughts. Dwell on heavenly things. What one spiritual discipline could you put into practice this week for this year to help you with your walk with God, to ensure that the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus? Think about where you might be lacking. For me, a steady diet of carved out time with God where I just sit in his presence is where I struggle deeply. I am not gifted when it comes to prayer. I pray often. I pray throughout the day. But I struggle with that discipline of just sitting and basking in God's presence for a time that's carved out, that cannot be stolen. And I have to change that. For some of you, it may be that you don't read your Bible. You don't spend time in God's Word. And my question to you is, this is not beating you up, but my question to you is, how are you to know who God is if you don't spend time in His Word? I have to say that my goal is to never miss a day, never miss a day of time in God's Word. I don't care if it's one little paragraph. That has to be a daily part of your diet. If you're truly going to walk with God and you're going to have the words seasoned with salt that are going to make a difference in the lives of other people, you have got to fill your heart and your mind with the Word of God. Will you start each day with a prayer of thanksgiving, just thanking God for who he is and what he's done in your life? So that when you do pray that before your feet hit the floor, guess what happens when your feet do hit the floor? Satan runs scared. We begin to think on heavenly things in every circumstance. When we have our, our missions camp every year and I get to work with the teenagers, one of my favorite things to do with those kids is to ask them to give me a spiritual application for something. I'll look at the silliest thing. It could be a porta potty and I'll say, give me a spiritual application for that. And what that means is I'm asking that young man to look at whatever object I just pointed at and tell me how that relates to God. How is God in that object? And guess what that teaches them to do? It teaches them to focus on things above, not on earthly things. 
It just puts their mind on Jesus. And that's something we should all be practicing, trying to see where God is in everything because he is in and around everything. Maybe you need to start a Bible reading plan to help with that reading. It works wonders for me. keeps me focused. If you have a smartphone, which most of us do these days, get the Bible app on your phone. Plug it in. Set a reminder. You can read through the whole Bible in one year, and you only spend about 10 minutes a day reading it. It's pretty amazing. Finally, put into practice what we've been taught by the Apostle Paul here. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, whatever is true, whatever is pure, noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me, from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Our practical application is to practice what has been modeled for you by Scripture and by those who have brought you up in the faith of Christ. Do not be overcome by anxiety. It is not your master. No matter what we face here in 2021, whether it be this pandemic running rampant, whether it be loss of life of family members, whether it be illness of our own, whether we lose a job, no matter what we face in this life, the peace of God surpasses all understanding in Christ. And all we have to do is connect with him. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you are the Prince of Peace. And you are a way maker. God, you heal, you restore, you are mighty to save. Father, I sit and I think about all the things that you've done in my life, how you have made me a new man. And I just, I just thank you and I praise you. Lord, I pray right now that if anyone anyone on the live stream, anyone here in this room, Father, if they're struggling right now with fear, anxiety, worry, even depression, Lord, I pray that you would draw them near to you right now, that God, they would know that you are the Prince of Peace, you are the Lord of Lords, you are the King of Kings, and that you are there to restore. God, I thank you that you love each one of us. I thank you that you paid the price for our sins. Father, I pray that Jesus would be magnified right now in this place. I pray, Lord, for that healing over everyone that's hearing your word. God, if anyone here needs to know you as Savior, I pray that you would burden their hearts to come and hear the word. 
hear the gospel. And Father, I pray that they would give their life to you now. Surrender wholeheartedly and make you the Lord of their life. God, I just pray that you be glorified in all that we do and say here in 2021 and going forward. May this church be a vessel that is used by you to spread the light of the gospel, that lives would be changed for the kingdom of God. Lord, we praise you and we thank you this morning. In Jesus' name.